Why, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going, whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners. It's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. My guest today is Carrie Davis of the Red Ants. This conversation was recorded December 11th in 2014. She's got such a great personality. This is one of my favorite interviews from uh, that period of time. And unfortunately, Debbie Martini the Red Ants bass player passed away in uh, early 2019, which is one of the reasons that prompted me to revisit this interview. So she's got some picks and some really great information. Peer pressure, I'm Diane Kamikaze. Please stay tuned, we'll hear from Kerry Davis in just a moment. Hello, Carrie, are you there? I'm here, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Excellent, so my guest is Carrie Redance Davis. I wanna welcome you, thank you for coming on WFMU. And you guys, well, it's funny, right? Cause you're not together as a band, but there's a release. Yes. And can you tell us about that, please? Well, we, for some reason, I don't know how or why, we decided we should try and put out a greatest hits record, and we're friends with Larry Hardy, who does In the Red Records. He said he would love to, and we just compiled songs from our five records and some seven inches, and it came out yesterday. It's a double LP gatefold with tons of fancy artwork and nice paper and nice colored vinyl. So we're really excited about it. Oh, colored vinyl. So you say you don't know why or how. Do you really not know why or how? Like, how did the, how did the news get to you? I, don't, I, think, I think Debbie, the bass player, was talking about it, or she was joking with me and saying that she had heard a festival had asked us to reform and play mm. through a friend, and I think that was how the ball got rolling or but we're all friends and we all speak to one another all the time even though we ha- we broke up you know 15 years ago and two of us live in New York and the other two are still in LA 
So it was very easy for us just to come up with that idea and say, yeah, okay, let's do it. And is that funny to actually just say, like, what just came out of your mouth is like, yeah, we broke up 15 years ago. Like, we had a full career, and and it stopped 15 years ago. Yeah, and it's funny because people keep asking us if we're going to play or if, you know, are we playing this or playing that? Like, no, we haven't even practiced in over 15 years, so probably would be kind of hard for us to and that's not that's not really on the table at all is it no but you know we all really like shopping and food and travel so if we could play a cute festival somewhere i bet we could make it happen but as far as getting four well not girls anymore in a van together to do anything like that no way we just we couldn't handle it right too old and spoiled (laughs) <laughs> well, and you guys did a lot of touring. I'm sure that that wasn't really spoiling at, uh, you know, at some point. No, we were really lucky because we signed to Epitaph right after their Offspring record broke. Mm. And they really spoiled us and treated us well. So we used to take, and they let us take whatever bands we wanted on tour with us. So we took the Cheater Slicks once. Oh, wow. And we stayed in this cute hotel there was a phone in the bathroom and we had a big van and a trailer and and our van was really clean and lots of fashion magazines and pictures of your cat your dog and blah 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 and we saw them you know we're at the club loading in and they were telling us they slept in their van at a rest stop on the side of the road and their van was just really dirty and gross it was really fun they were really funny to tour with oh my god now but i have to ask you did you make a phone call from the phone in the bathroom oh yeah of course just for fun you know you have to like guess where i'm calling you from yeah i remember it was a shiloh hotel i can't remember what city it was in though oh that's funny was that a u.s tour yeah it was a u.s tour Mm -hmm. and then and you did quite a lot of uh hoofing around overseas as well you know, we actually only went overseas once the New Bomb Turks took us because mm. they were also assigned to Epitaph. Mm-hmm. And we never got to go to Japan. And I don't know why. And it's, it's a real pity because I toured a lot in Europe with my band after the Red Ants. And it seemed like that was a more ideal situation for us because the drives are shorter and there's so many beautiful things to see and eat and and I don't I really regret us not going over there more mm, there the, I guess maybe <clears throat> I read about some of your uh your personal experiences on tour did you tour um alone like solo yeah I toured oh. as a one lady band I have, I have a band called two tears so I'll play with friends or I started to play alone as a one lady band and I do not recommend going on tour by yourself. It gets a little bit depressing after a while, and you turn into a weirdo and start talking to the bartender at the club and following the other bands around, like, hi, will you be my friend? And people are like, okay, American lady, like, back <laughs> off, please, you know? You just get lonely and kind of scared, you know, riding trains and staying in hotels alone. So, yeah, I'll, I'll never do that again. How long did you do that before you decided to uh, to hang that up? Um, well, I still I still play as a two tiers, but um, the, as far as touring alone, I mm-hmm. did that I think for like three weeks around Europe, and it was cold. It was the winter, and I just like oh, it was terrible. That oh was wow! And it was terrible. Yeah. Mm. And um, so in two tiers, though, I do want to to ask you about that a little bit because you play guitar. You play guitar in the Red Ants. What was your setup like as in a one lady band, as you call it? 
the one lady band, I play guitar and I play a kick drum standing up and I have a tambourine tape to the top of it and I sing. So I play guitar, kick drum, standing, and I sing. And I purposely did it standing and not sitting down with a kick and a snare because I think a lot of the one-man bands in that scene, everyone has a similar sound, a similar look similar setup and I wanted to do I just did it out of necessity I wasn't really trying to be like an old blues lady like a lot of those people do but I I still love that scene and they're very supportive and I I don't want to diss them but (laughs) yeah but just you know after a while like seeing some guy with a beard and a plaid shirt sitting down kick snare kick snare (laughs) oh my god kill me please you're not that guy you're there's No. no way you could be close to that guy yeah, so I I can play drums, and Leslie, the Red Ants drummer, and I have been playing drums for the Kills for the past two or three years, so that's kind of cool. Oh, cool. That she and I get to play together and travel together still. Oh, excellent. I didn't even know that. Yeah. What percentage of your life is music? Zero, because I have an 18-month-old baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was just playing her Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the guitar this morning. She really likes that, and oh. she likes to, um, you know, play with the guitar and touch the strings and my husband is a bass player and she likes to play his bass and bang on stuff so you know there's a musical equipment around our apartment but really I don't um, I mean I just I play with the kills now and that's pretty much it I don't I haven't really been doing anything for myself mm-hmm. the past year and a half oh, but it sounds like you've got a family band forming yeah <laughs> yeah and of course the uh the, the child is, is sedated at the moment. So, she uh, is. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure we'll hear when uh, <laughs> when she is up. And thank you. I just want to mention, Carrie got this together so quickly. And um, I, I was, I mean, this just sort of came together in the last day, you joining us on the air. So I do want to thank you for really doing all the work. And I know it's like, like I'm imagining you sort of running around with like a kid under your arm, like a football, and then having this like Wonder Woman glove on the other hand and like... Yeah, poof. flipping through the seven inches right. of my record collection. Yes. But you know what? It's FMU. I grew up in New Jersey and I listened to FMU forever. So it's a real honor. And we're really pleased the Red Ants to be on FMU as well. We're really excited. Oh, and you were uh, a guest of FMU years and years ago. Yeah, in the 90s. Yes. We're from the 90s e- right now. Exactly, yeah. I think th- I'm positive that I engineered that on the Stork Club. That was the first time that I met you guys. Yeah, well, the 90s are back. All the 90s bands are getting back together and playing. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's, I guess it depends on the band. I don't want to say that it's sad because it's it's actually cool that you're that you guys are putting out this new collection, but... It's weird to look at club listings because you're like, what year is this? You know? Yeah. Well, I think we just all forget that we're old because mm-hmm. I presume that most people are into music still buy records and go to shows and have the same interest. And, you know, you just forget that 20 years has passed. Right. I it- just I feel the same. So it's really strange to think that. Last night I went over to Debbie, the bass players, for dinner, and we would listen to the test pressings. We haven't received our copies yet. They're in the mail. And mm. just, like, listening to the different production and reminiscing about the studios we recorded in and the sessions and just, you know, how fortunate we were and how good, in our opinion, it all sounded. And then, I mean, I think one of those things, that, I mean, because I'm older than you, and I don't notice except when I'm in a club, 
and then you're talking about something and you see like a younger person like look at you like wow you know something yeah <laughs> or when you say you've been to shows like i saw nirvana at maxwell's oh yeah i was at that show uh-huh. yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. jesus it was a nirvana and jesus lizard or just you know uh-huh. and when young people hear that they just can't believe that you could see nirvana in a nightclub like yeah totally right yeah where in uh, new jersey are you from I'm from Rutherford, New Jersey, by Giant Stadium. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting any any after effects of, like, the toxic chemical? Probably. <laughs> well, it's lovely to know that you're a, a Jersey girl. Yeah, big time. The record is called Come Up for a Closer Look. Yeah. And uh, it was just released on the in the red label, which is uh, lovely. And how many songs are on the record? You know what? I think there's, because our songs were so short. Right. It was really hard to fill up an LP, so Larry decided, he's like, let's do a a double, because then it will sound better, and it's kind of cheeky to have such small amount, time-wise, of music on a double record. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's so still that, probably like 30 songs. It's not like it's, you know, four yeah, songs. Yeah, no, I think there's more than 30, because most of the songs are, we put out records that had 13, yeah. 14, 15 songs. They didn't even make 25 minutes. You right. Know? We know we're a punk band. During that period of time when the Red Ants were current, how were you, quote, categorized? And I don't even like to use the term, but, you know, how were you regarded? Were you... Uh, we were categorized as a girl band, which, you know... We were, because we're all females, but it was just annoying at the time to always be compared musically to other girl bands when our records were being reviewed, because we just didn't sound like some of the bands they were comparing us to, and that was kind of stupid, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think we were just more categorized as a a full-on gnarly punk band, because we were really wild on stage, and kind of wild off stage and just fast and loud and angry and you know head banging and rolling around on the ground and stuff like that just I think we were considered a punk band it is funny when you first started out were you being put on bills with other girl bands just because people didn't know what to do no not really no and you know what it's a pity because it's like we were so young then and we made five records in I think seven years and we used to rehearse two or three times a week and also hang out together as friends so we did a lot in a short amount of time and as we were a band longer we'd get you know go on tour and they put these girl bands on our shows and sometimes we'd be kind of mean because we were angry that they were putting these girl bands on but also you know trying we should have supported the scene a little bit more and not have been so stuck up but I also think that was part of our image to be kind of nasty and mean and rebel against the whole riot girl scene and things like that were you ever sort of sort of pushed into the riot girl thing no no but you know we just always thought that we agree with all those politics as as we would hope everyone in the world so we never really felt the need to get political but you know it's funny because I'm really good friends with with some of those girls now but I didn't know them back in the day and we never played together yeah we didn't really think about that we were more thinking about you know songs and just rocking out and having fun not really we didn't really have an agenda that's kind of nice though 
Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that period of time being a little like, you know, you got to say this or you got to do this. And the punk scene had its own sort of sections of being PC. Yeah. And, you know, like we went to Olympia once. And to be honest, those they weren't very friendly at all. Like at all. <laughs> it was really shocking. Like, hi, what's up? How are you? And they're just like, oh, hi. I was like, ew, really? You're supposed to be the real Riot Girls. And you were giving us attitude like later. Right. I remember it was really weird, and I remember this other girl band came to Long Beach, which was our town, and we went to the club and went backstage to say hi, and they were giving us attitude. And then they were horrible, too. Like, we watched them play, and the drummer was wearing this big, fat, heavy metal headband, like a thick bandana, and her cymbals were up really high, and she was doing, like, the cross, like, swish, swish. Oh, my God. We were just like, <laughs> oh, please. But, you know, when you're young, you get all competitive and you think you're really tough and you think you're really cool. And so, you know, it's just funny now to, to, to talk about all the stories. I'm like, they were mean to us. And right, right. a heavy metal drummer. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, yeah, yeah. Looking back, is there anything that you really take away from the experience of being in a band at that, in that period of time that could never have happened in any other way? Well, I think we all feel very grateful and fortunate for what we were given that we were able to be on two great record labels and work with really great producers you know Mick Collins and Brett Gerwitz and stuff like that and I think it helped us as young women have a lot of confidence that we didn't have beforehand Um, but also you know we worked really hard we worked really really hard and we stuck together and we didn't get help from you know like Sonic Youth was always helping bands and taking them on tour. We just never got any breaks or help, but we just kept going. So I think that's our our greatest achievement, what we accomplished on our own, just based on our hard work. In in the face of people saying we couldn't play and we didn't know what we were doing. And I mean, it's just like, God, I mean, we just played a show, you know, and have records out. Like, if we couldn't play, we wouldn't be here right now. Like, you wouldn't be talking about this. That was... But I think that's just a bit of sexism, you know, and jealousy. Oh, yeah. Was there anybody in that period of time that you would say was really pivotal in terms of giving you advice or really sort of telling you something at the right time when Um, things were either difficult or you were still sort of struggling with creating what you did? Well, we were friends with a band called Clawhammer, and Mm -hmm. they always helped us in helping us when we had to buy new amps or new guitars, you know, this one's cool, this one is the sound you're looking for. They let us play a lot of shows. They introduced us to their friends' bands, and those guys really helped us a lot. They introduced us to Brett, who recorded a couple of our records before signing us to Epitaph, and they were just our friends. There was a really great scene at that time in Long Beach in L.A., and I think people from Flipside magazine and the LA scene was really strong and supportive and it was fun to go out and see others bands play it was something to do because you knew everyone was going to be there it was really 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 fun so I think we had a lot of support just from the scene well that's neat especially to know that I mean it, it gives you a safe place to be when you before you put out your first record were you really pushing to get a label to quote sign you or did that happen by accident like how did that well happen? you know what it was i met long gone john who does sympathy for the record industry before i met 
any of the girls in the band or we even started the band. So he introduced me to Terry in a roundabout way and she was the other guitar player and we became friends and we just decided to start the Red Ants and the instrument you had access to was what you ended up playing because three of us had never played before instruments really. So we kind of just had friends who had labels and friends who had recording studios so they just it was nothing nothing we had to really work for it just kind of happened you know as soon as we started we wanted to play a show a week later and our friends were like okay you kind of have to you know learn to play a little bit more than you're doing right now <laughs> it's fun you know it's fun to make records it's so exciting when you get your first record in your hand you're holding it you're like oh my god right i've been worshiping these things you know, for my whole 21 years of my life so far, and right. now I made one and I have one. Right, there I am. Yeah, and it's like, that's when I'm excited to get the Red Ants Greatest Hits in my hands as well. It's such a good feeling. It's such a feeling of accomplishment. It's mm-hmm. so exciting, you know. What was your upbringing like in, the, in your family? Were you encouraged musically? No, my family, my, well, yeah, I mean, I had a drum set when I was younger, and my older brother used to take me to shows at CBGB's and and Maxwell's and stuff like that. And so, you know, my family let me be a weird person, and I'm you know, fortunate that I grew up right outside of the city. But my family, they were always really supportive of everything that I've done so far. So even though they don't really get it, they still like it. I think all of us in the Red Ants, especially Leslie, the drummer, her parents were at every show. Her stepdad used to sell merch. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. They were so enthusiastic. It was so cute. (laughs) That is nice. Oh, my God. They were (laughs) hilarious, Nancy and Richard. I have a question from a listener. They want to know what the Red Ants' relationship was with the Humpers. Just another friend, Scott Drake from the Humpers. He was just our friend through the music scene in in Long Beach. So it was just a friend's band, and we used to play together all the time. And he helped us a lot, too, Scott Drake. He's a cool dude. So you're here to be a guest DJ, and I know we've got a little bit of a timer ticking because of your uh, little one Mm -hmm. over on that side. Do you want to talk about a couple of songs that we're going to play? And then uh, we'll take a break and come back. Yeah, you know, I think Leslie chose, and Debbie, and I chose some songs, and fortunately, you know, we all have kind of similar music taste, and um, it was kind of fun to see what the other girls chose and be reminded of a great song by this band or that band. Anything you want to start with? Um, no, because I can't really <laughs> remember. Okay, okay, no. <laughs> Um, from your list, we've got a uh, Vault, Holly Go Lightly, Rocket from the Crypt. Any of that, I love. I love all those bands. Anything, they're all winners in my opinion. Okay, so we'll start with the Vault track. What would you like to tell us about this song, uh, "Chinese Bite" by Vault? Well, this song is sound has a really classic new wave herky jerky sound to it, and I'm a big fan of Lily Z, who's in this band, and. Um, I used to live in Paris, and I got to know them a little bit, and that was a rock star moment for me to meet them and hang out with them, and they're just really nice people and very talented. All their projects, all their music projects are really great. And how long did you live in Paris for? I can't step over that. I lived there on and off for a couple of years in the knots. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. The French people have a really great music scene. There's so many good bands in France, all over France, north, south. Paris. There's a lot of really, really great bands there. Were you playing in a band at the time? Yeah, I was playing in the two tiers with like some French oh. people or one lady band stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. 
Excellent. And we are going to hear some two tiers in a little bit also. So um, I'm going to get to your first selection, which is called Chinese Bite from Vault. My guest is Carrie Davis of the Red Ants, and we will be back in just a minute. Hang on. Hey, Carrie, are you there? I'm here. Hello. So we just heard uh, Two Tears with Die Tonight, uh, Holly Go Lightly with I Can't Be Trusted, and then The Vault uh, with Chinese Bite. The Two Tears track, is is all of that you? No, that's my friend Gar playing drums. He recorded the record as well. Um, he was in the band Tanner, and he's in Beehive and the Barracudas, and he's in the Hot Snakes. Oh, wow. Yeah, in San Diego. He's one of the San Diego... Friends. Oh, cool. Yeah. How old is that uh, Two Tears recording? 
Oh my God, that's, I think that may be 10 years old already. Oh my goodness, I need to make a new record. <laughs> What's wrong with lamenting? I love that, oh my goodness, I have to make, make a new record. Is that something that you, that passes the time for you or what? Well, it's just, um, I've always just done that for so long. So when there's a big gap in between them, it freaks me out. But I've put out a lot of seven inches since then, enough to make a new record. So there's still stuff coming out, but not a proper full length or... Oh, so what's the discography of Two Tears? Well, there's two full-length recordings, and then there's a bunch bunch of seven inches, maybe six or seven or eight of them on a lot of very limited pressings, which is kind of a bummer. I know people who have labels and record collectors are into that, but I think it's a horrible idea. When, when your music goes out of print, that kind of goes back to the Red Ants putting out this record. All our records were out of print. And, you know, when you get your records, you give them, you have a party and your friend comes over and you give them away. And then, you know, I ended up not owning some of the Red Ants records. And Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, so a, a Red Ants fan just gave me one when we were in L.A. Um, a month ago for a recordless record release party. And he gave me <laughs> a, a, a Sympathy a five-inch record we did. Oh, how fun. So that was really great to get that one back because that one's a good one, too. That's funny. You say a recordless record release party. Yeah. <laughs> There's a concept I haven't heard before. Well, you know why? Because I was in, in L.A. with um, Leslie and I played with the Kills, and so I was already out there. So Debbie found a, an expensive plane ticket, so she just jumped on a plane and flew out. So we had a party, and we weren't sure if the records would be back from the plants or not. By the, you know, when she booked her flight, so we just went for it, and so we just had a party. And as, did any you know, any bands play? No, no bands, because we didn't want to mm-hmm. have to shout. We wanted to be able to talk, because, you know, we're all old, so if <laughs> new bands were playing, it's just like, oh, what? You know, and mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to hang out and just chill out. That's funny. Has, has your relationship changed with any of the Red Ants members now that you've all, quote, become adults? No, I think we're all pretty much the same. The same dynamic exists between us individually because we all have such different personalities, and I think that's what made our band successful. Our fans could identify with a different member. You know, we're just so proud of what we accomplished, so we really value our, you know, our friendships and our old band. And you are here just for people who have just tuned in um, because In the Red has just released a double a gatefold LP uh, called Come Up for a Closer Look, which is a greatest hits collection. And uh, that is actually, that's really exciting. Yeah. And when you talk about personalities, um, I've heard that Terry has been on the Food Network. Yes, several and, times. And what's her, um, what has she got going on that's, that's having that happen? She has a restaurant. She's had a restaurant in L.A. for about 10 years, and she had a catering company before that. And she still has a catering company. And she has such a great personality and so much charisma that she continues to be chosen to compete on these cooking shows. And she was on a throwdown with Bobby Flay, and I was out of the country, and my mom called me to tell me that she had seen the episode. Wow. And with her New Jersey accent, she goes, oh, she wasn't afraid of him at all, not one bit. She just (laughs) held her own. And she was just on a, a, I think a year ago was on Chopped. 
Mm-hmm. which is on Food Network, and she was just la- she just laughs at herself. She just looks in the camera and says, that is the grossest thing I ever made. I, you know, no wonder I lost. She's, she's so real and so honest, but she's very, very, very hardworking. And she just released a cookbook as well. Oh, really? Yeah, really. It's on the Red Ants Facebook page, and her, her restaurant is called Auntie M's Kitchen, like Auntie M from The Wizard, Wizard of, of Oz. Oz. Oh. Yeah, so it's a, it's a breakfast and lunch Spot. She has a little shop as well next door. It's just amazing. It's in Eagle Rock in Los Angeles. It's really oh, great. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. You also spent some time playing with uh, the Screws. Yeah, and that was great. I'm a huge fan of Mick Collins. Oh, I'm just, he like, is amazing. I worship him. The two guys. It was Dan and I can't remember the other guy, the drummer. They they couldn't make one of the tours on the West Coast, so Terry asked me if I could learn all the drum parts. So I just practice and practice and practice all summer. And this was, gosh, 15 years ago as well. So we did a tour up the West Coast with the Country Teasers, who became one of my most favorite bands in the world and love all those guys. And then after that tour, the Screws were invited to go to Japan, and I got to go to Japan because I was kind of unofficially in the band. Oh, good. And that was awesome. And then I played on maybe one song on one of the records that was it oh that's great though because yeah. you had said how you were disappointed that the red ants didn't go to japan i actually assumed that then you didn't end up in japan and so you did get to go yeah we got to go we went for a week too it was awesome wow because mick um produced the last red ants record we mm-hmm. went to detroit to jim diamond's studio there and jim and mick made our last record there it's funny how things sort of you still have the same network of friends. It's just you're still doing things. And do you ever see yourself slowing down in terms of musical output? Well, I think anyone who found a wonderful, fun thing to do early in their life and has the opportunity to do it, you just keep on going. It's like um, it, you don't really have a choice. Like, it's just something you like to do, so you just do it. So I, I really don't, even though I'm a woman, and I'm sure if we were ever to play again, or I mean, I, I think women have have it differently because you know we live in a like sexist and ageist and racist and whateverist world. But I don't really care because I really like doing it. It's really fun, and I just feel very lucky to have found my thing at a very young age. It kind of gets a lot of questions in your mind out of the way. Yeah, it's like, all right, I guess I'm going to be kind of broke, but at least I get to keep rocking, you know, and travel Mm -hmm. and stuff. And then what happens? It's like, I think of this myself all the time. So when I'm 80, at some point the the body gives out, but the, the spirit and everything that you love is still the same. Do you have a certain music selection picked out for when you're older it's like oh what if you have a neck injury you can no longer like bang your head right well you can still do stuff at home i mean i'm really was always into four tracking and home recording oh wow cool yeah and my husband's a musician so it's like he and i that's our plan for the new year because we can't go out because we have a baby just to record at home it's equally as satisfying you don't have to drag all your gear around or go anywhere. You just take it out you right. know, from under the sofa and plug it in. Right, and just make sure the baby doesn't spit up on it. Yeah. Pretty much. Is your husband in a band right now? No, he, he used to be in a couple of bands, but he's not anymore. Uh-huh. He's retired. Retired is a funny word. Yeah. yeah. 
When did you start playing guitar, by the way? At the first Red Ants practice in 1991. Nice. <laughs> Why not? Why waste time ahead of time? Yeah. I mean, that's how we, that's what we did. We just, we wanted to start a band, so we borrowed instruments and, and, uh, our friend taught us, you know, how to plug our stuff in, and we just started like that. So you just started playing with no lessons or knowledge? No, yeah, no, we just wanted to be in a band, meet um, Terry and Debbie, and then Leslie joined later, but she had been drumming since she was a teenager, so she's, like, the only real musician in the band. So then how is that for you, like, as time goes on and you learn more about music and you are become more adept at expressing yourself? Like, does it ever strike you like, wow, I couldn't play or I played things, like, wrong? Like, is there a right and wrong in guitar? Well, people always told us that was part of our charm, that we had no training and that we made decisions that... A musician normally wouldn't make so it helped us have our own sound or the way we wrote songs when they were complimenting us pointed that out said it was better that we didn't know they said we didn't know what we were doing even though we were making these choices you know when writing songs and, and writing parts right so I, it, I think it, it benefited us and now it's kind of frustrating because you just get locked into certain things but Right, because you know how it's supposed to go. Did you find that certain songs became easier for you to play because you actually found the fingering on guitar, like you could play the same things in a different way? Yeah, yeah, no. It's funny because last night we were listening to the to the Greatest Hits record and there's a part in one song where I remember being in the studio and just, you know, like someone sitting across from me kind of muting the strings strings I wasn't playing and mm. being really difficult and then just finally saying I cannot do this live like I have to sit down and have someone help me do it because I could never ever pull it off oh wow yeah and it's like I couldn't do it now either <laughs> <laughs> that's funny it's really cool though to have gone through this whole period of discovery you know with a band and especially a girl band mm-hmm. you know especially an all-female band I think that now with Facebook and things like that the messages I receive from people and people that I meet touring who knew of the Red Ants. It's really lovely to hear how much we meant meant to them. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's really, really nice. It means a lot to me to have young girls choose to try and play music rather than, you know, do whatever young girls do to get attention. Well, and what would you say to a young girl who's about to decide to pick up music or start a band? I would say just to go for it and have fun and don't worry about it and don't worry what anyone says and just be defiant if anyone tries to put you down or say you can't do it and just keep going, going, going and have fun. It's more fun to have fun. That's what we said in the Red Ants. Yeah. Well, I love that you still completely have the spirit of the Red Ants, so it is very apropos that the record is coming out, or is out, actually. So it's called uh, Come Up for a Closer Look. My guest is uh, Carrie Davis of the the Red Ants. So I know that um, we're waiting for your daughter to wake up. So I guess if you want to um, to talk about a couple more songs, and I will put the playlist together, and we'll let you go so you can attend to things, and we won't hear any explosions or things breaking at home. Right. Even though secretly I'm a little like, oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, it would yeah. be funny because she definitely <laughs> should just open the door. But there's a song... By a band called Chiquita Ichatara, mm-hmm. 
they're a two-piece girl band from Gijón, Spain. Oh. And one girl plays fuzz bass and one drums and then they switch and she plays guitar and the other one plays drums and this band is my favorite band in the world they sound like a bit like the oblivions and they're a little bit new wavy punky and they're really friendly and they're just amazing and the one song i chose and people hear it they're just blown away by this song it's such a hit it's just such a great song did you see these guys in spain yeah, I met them. I met the one girl, Amelia, at a lady fest, a lady fiesta in Madrid, and we became friends. And one time when I was out there just, um, you know, playing Two Tears Alone, I went up on the bus and played a show with them, and we just hung out all night. It was so much fun. Oh, my God, there's so much fun. That stands to reason that you guys would get along because the, uh, the Red Ants were definitely raucous, fun, fierce and you're still carrying the flag. Yep, so, the punker flag forever. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. And I got to say, like, there's a lot of stuff on your playlist, and I'm, I'm going to play some of those songs after you're off the line, are things that I didn't know. Like, I don't know this band. So I'm always happy to have somebody turn me on to cool music, and you get to turn the listeners on to that as well, which is really great. Is there anything that you would like to say to the listeners, anything you want them to know that we haven't um, discussed yet? No, not really. I just hope everyone has a nice holiday season, and I hope if they choose to buy the Red Ants record that they enjoy it. You know, I just want to thank you for being available and for for appearing and for the listeners here um, and getting everything together so quickly. You've got, you know, rock star Joe Murray in your corner, so right did did have uh, quite a bit of help, but it takes a lot, and I know what you've got going on at home, and it's wonderful to sort of at least have you back on the line after being on FMU like 20 years ago or something. Yeah, I'm really excited to be on FMU. I have so much respect for the radio station, so thanks very much. Yeah, and I had no idea you were even a Jersey girl. Yeah, so big time. Perfect. Jersey. Yay. So, Carrie, thank you very much. We're going to go to this Chiquita. Is it Chiquita y Chichara? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is called I Don't Want to Leave. Okie doke. Well, thank you very much, Carrie. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Kelly present in person. Don't leave me, Mother. Don't be. Give us all my heart, you and my soul. Catching you, brain going radio. I don't want to leave at the outside. I want to stay here.
Ah. Set from uh, my peer pressure guest, Carrie Davis of the Red Ants. From the start there, that was Chiquita y Chatara with I Don't Wanna Leave. The Sonic Chicken 4 with Ballad. Both Carrie's picks. And then she was awesome enough to contact the other Red Ants members. So we did get some picks from them as well. So the Os Mutants, Mutants, yeah, Os Mutants, uh, Bad Day is uh, Leslie's Choice, as is the Proto-Martyr, which we heard after that with Come and See. The Night Marchers is Debbie's Choice, fisting the fan base. And then uh, played a, another Red Ant selection. Come up for a closer look is the collection title. And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. More on the way. I am Diane Kamikaze. Check my Twitter and my Instagram. Handle is one word, Diane Kamikaze. Kamikaze ends with an E. On Facebook, you can find me as Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life and Making a Difference. The full link to my uh, index of shows and podcasts is can be found on wfmu.org slash playlists slash DK. Those are, that's a capital D and a capital K. I'm going to be working on encore presentations, and I've got years of interviews and podcasts. So if there's something that you'd like to see reposted that you missed, please get in touch. Send me email, diane at wfmu.org. And be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you like it, please rate it and review it. Wow. WFMU, peer pressure. Thank you. See you next time.